0: It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and c 925 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the Millennial Man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3pointpod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners.
1: Nelson House Funeral Homes' number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234.
0: Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Siawassee and M21 in Corona.
1: Well, welcome to Three Point Podcast, episode 155. Thank you to our partners, including Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Our trio includes The Young One, Jared Fattel of Fat Stack Sports, and our middleman is Matt Burns of ESPN on the phone from North Carolina. And I'm the elder statesman, Ted Patel of Z92.5, The Castle. Thanks for the listen, as always, and spread the word. Give us a follow on social media at 3 Point Pod, and hop on the free app Locker Room. In fact, we're going to be on Locker Room today talking about college basketball and the Michigan State Spartans and Ohio State. But before we get into the show, and also I should set up that we're going to be talking with Head coach Clint Galvis of the New Lothrop Hornets won a state championship. Just an amazing run he's got going over there at New Lothrop. uh, But before we get into all that, guys, let's catch up a little bit. It's been a while since we've talked. And uh, the breaking news, you know, we did our little quick videos on Matt Stafford heading elsewhere. Well, now it's official. He's heading to the Rams and uh, initial thoughts on that. I
2: said it as soon as we brought this guy in and, and Matt Stafford was put on the trade market, but Brad Holmes, I, I love this guy. Whether you agree with, you know, the head coaching hire of like Dan Campbell and that whole side of things, but it just seems like in terms of evaluating talent and just being like uh just a smart uh, GM that isn't just going to be making dumb trades and drafting bad players. I love Brad Holmes. So that's my biggest takeaway is one. I love what he's doing. But number two is, what a haul. It, just an incredible haul to bring back. I love that we bring Goff in for guys like, you know, I just think of like somebody like my grandpa who maybe doesn't have, you know, 10 more years to watch a rebuild where, hey, you're going to be able to watch at least a somewhat decent team in the short term, and we're also kind of building for the long term. It was the perfect trade for the Lions.
3: Yeah, I am. I'm very curious to see what they do with golf because, you know, he's, he's on a huge contract. Yeah. So, you know, people have talked about you could. I think it's after 2022 is kind of like the line where they could like cut him and not Mm -hmm. lose a bunch of money. So that's like two seasons. Like you said, Jared, he could kind of be like the bridge guy for your rebuild. Or, you know, who knows, if they want to go full rebuild, maybe a team like Washington or Carolina or something would give you a couple more picks for golf. Mm -hmm. So so really the Lions are, you know, to your point about home, the Lions are sitting in a pretty good spot right now, collecting some draft picks. They've got, you know, the number seven pick from uh or in the draft this year and you know they've got a quarterback in golf that has a little bit of trade value so yeah they they could really like knock this rebuild out of the park but you know as Ted you've been watching the Lions for a million years and we talk about it on the podcast I'm trying to be super hesitant because we've seen (laughs) how things have always gone with the Lions
1: yeah there's no question uh I'll be cautiously optimistic but I will say this it's a no-brainer on the trade. I think uh, Holmes hit it out of the park without yeah. a doubt. I mean, you know, they have the number three Rams pick this year. They're their third rounder, but then they got two number ones in twenty two and twenty three. And and golf, you know, maybe some people have forgotten. I mean, he went to a Super Bowl. I mean, you know, he's only been in the league five years. I mean.
2: But here's what I'll say about that is, and and Colin Coward said it best. He said, you know, talk about losers in this trade. Jared Goff goes from, you know, this like Fortune 500 uh, company to basically like the Fred Flintstone in terms of like coaching and X's and O's wise. This is the first time in a long time. I'm usually the negative guy when it comes to the Lions of this group. This is the first time in probably 10 years that I've had a legitimate like Ray of hope in terms of let's win a Super Bowl, not let's go, you know, compete for a playoff spot or go eight and eight. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. It seems like now.
1: Holy it, cow! You're sounding like me.
2: Yeah, a little bit, and and that should be the goal. And that's what they're. That's what Brad Holmes sees. He says, "Hey, this team is not Super Bowl caliber like you guys claim to throughout this entire season. That or one piece away from you know this hell of a team. He knows that we're we got a long way to go. So he's taking the long approach. a Couple of first rounders in the next couple years. And one complaint I would say is that these first rounders are going to be near the end of the round. Uh, but other than that just a great trade and I'm glad that Stafford's going somewhere that seems like he's gonna have a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl
3: no that that's probably the most exciting thing for me I mean I I I've, we've talked about it a lot in the podcast I'm a huge Stafford fan obviously so I don't necessarily you know want to see him leave Detroit I'm glad to see him go somewhere he gets to play with Sean McVay now and, and that's the thing is like people were throwing out like how are the Rams giving up this much for Stafford it's kind of like the opposite of what you're saying Jared like the Rams are more in win-now mode. Yeah. They're willing to give up a bunch of first-round picks, even if they're in the, you know, the next couple of years. For a guy, I'm not saying Stafford is Tom Brady, but he is you know at least potentially better than Jared Goff. So the Rams are definitely in win-now mode. And I saw, I think, Trey Wingo and some other people were talking about how people were taking shots at the Rams for giving up first-round draft picks. And they are basically saying, like, you know, what do you want a first-round draft pick for? You know, you in the first round, you're hoping to draft someone who's an impact player right away. Yeah. And the Rams' philosophy, they haven't, like, uh, we tweeted out, they, I saw it was like NFL and CBS tweeted, the Rams haven't had a first-round pick, in, including what they just gave to the Lions in, like, eight years. They've traded away their first-round pick for Goff, for Jalen Ramsey, and now for Stafford because they're getting guys that are proven players. So that, that's a philosophy that they've taken is, okay, we could use our first-round pick and get a rookie who may or may not be good, or trade that first-round pick and get Stafford, get Jalen Ramsey, and get some of these other players that are going to come in and, you know, make us better right away. So, but yeah, they're, they're maybe, like, they have a shorter window. You know, they're hoping to win in the next couple of years. But that's, you know, that's one of the approaches. And the Lions are kind of having a, you know, they're, they're looking at a long-term rebuild. And, you know, I've been critical of Dan Campbell. I'm not I'm not sold. You know, people love his his uh, biting kneecaps and, you know, all this, the stupid speeches he was making. I'm just not sold on that stuff. But... The so one thing I'll say is at least the Lions aren't like just you know recycling old coaches and bringing in guys who have been around the league and you know all that stuff. They're doing something different. Like so, I will give the Lions that and, and the Fords and everyone. They brought in a GM who you know is a little outside of the box. They brought in a head coach who is definitely outside of the box. They're trying something different. So you know, like you said, there's a little glimmer of hope. I'll give them that. There's a little potential
1: there. Well, they've hired some good uh, assistant coaches. It yeah. looks like too. That's another good thing for Holmes. Now, let me let me throw this at Jared. Okay, you were the big fan of complete tanking, right? Yes. This last year, do you do you not tank now? No, well, I think we philosophy? do. What's your philosophy? So you uh, get rid of Goff get, if, if we you can get can rid now. of
2: golf for uh, fair value? You know, I don't know what that is. Whether it's a third rounder or whatever, I'm shipping golf out uh, tomorrow. That's but you
1: think it, Jared it, Goff's only worth a third rounder? Seriously, I'm,
2: he just—he just got. I mean, think about what he was—the trade he was just involved in for Matt Stafford. Yeah, it was like he was basically just a
1: throwout. But you like give he, him no respect at all, huh? I, mean, I
2: don't think I. I think a third rounder is is decent amount of respect. That's okay. not a bad pick. Okay. Maybe a second rounder at best.
1: So your your thought is then just get rid of him and they'll draft a rookie quarterback and yes. just take their lumps, right? That's
2: what. Yeah, I, I would be fine with that. Or you know, if we want to do like a gap year or something where Goff's our quarterback for a season while a, cor- a young younger quarterback learns underneath his wings, I'm fine with that too. Uh, can we? So moving on from the Stafford, I, we haven't had a chance to talk about Dan Campbell since that uh, press conference. Uh, my initial reaction was, one, I'm not sure if this guy should be coaching the Detroit Lions or if he should be in a, an insane <laughs> asylum somewhere. You know, it, it was insane. It was crazy. Uh, but since that press conference, things have kind of died down a little bit in terms of that front, and he's put together one hell of a staff. I mean, yes. Anthony Lynn, a lot of former uh, head coaches are on the staff, and I'm glad the number one thing I'm happy about is there's no – Weak links that stayed behind from the Matt Patricia era. There's no bevel. There's no guys like that. We're completely starting fresh. And even if Dan Campbell isn't the best head coach, I feel like he's got a lot of guys around him that are gonna elevate him to be a better head coach than if he had a, a lesser staff. Well, no,
3: it's it's what we talked about before, and with uh, Robert Sala, you know that that video we talked about on the podcast where he was talking about, you know, not hiring a bunch of Robert Salas or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. surrounding he recognizes his weaknesses, so he's hiring assistance to fill in those gaps kind of and that yeah like that's what I think Dan Campbell has done is yeah he may not be Bill Belichick or you know he may not be Andy Reid but he sees that he needs to pick up some some guys that and surround himself with some former head coaches and some guys that have been in the league and will bring some credibility and some toughness and stuff so I'm still not sold mostly it's just because it's the Lions so I'm not like getting all excited I mean like all of a sudden we're going to win the Super Bowl right now you know, I, but I think there's potential because that, that, that staff does seem to have a lot of potential. I mean that that's just I'm stuck on potential. <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly what's gonna pan out, you know, that we'll see what happens. As far as the tanking thing, I just it's so tough for me, like if they do keep Goff, you can't sell tanking because Jared Goff does not want to tank. You know, like that's the only thing is like if Goff is coming in, he's trying to prove that he's still a good quarterback. So you're not gonna be able to and and to that point Dan Campbell's trying to prove that he is actually like a good head coach. So I don't know about like tanking. So that that's where maybe like you you do move golf, and yet, it, that's the thing. They're not tied to golf being like the quarterback of the future. So if Washington, or I mean, should, even if the Patriots offer a third round pick for golf, I think you do it. Just get rid of him. He's not your quarterback of the future anyway. It's trying to stack up some picks. So, yeah. so that's what I mean. The Lions are sitting in a really good spot. Let, let's see.
2: Let's see how they screw it up, I guess. Let me – one one last thing on this is what would you guys rather have had in terms of like a return package? Would you guys have rather had like a higher pick, let's say the number two pick, uh, from the Jets or something like that, along with maybe like a third rounder, or are you okay with just the two later first-round picks?
1: Personally, I'm okay with the fact that they've got at least a quarterback they can plug in there. Now, they they can make a decision to trade him if they want and, and, and get more picks, but I'm okay with them sliding him in. You know, keep building up and change in culture that we've talked about many, many times. And Goff is an, he's an effective enough quarterback. Maybe we can see a, a, a big change in one year. That's my hope. I know I'm not—I'm never going to be on the full tank mode as long as you got some NFL players that have some potential. And you know, I'm looking for a, a, a bounce back year from the defensive back. They drafted number three overall. With a new attitude at coaching, and, you know, and some of the assistants they have, why can't we expect to see maybe a yeah. quick turnaround? And
2: that's and that's I'm also glad that Stafford is out. Yeah. Just in terms of he's kinda he's got a lot of baggage to him in a way yeah. where I feel like it's just almost a mental barrier where I don't think he'd ever think the Lions are gonna well, win.
1: Well, as much as we like Stafford, we all think he's a good quarterback, his overall record is seventy four and ninety.
2: Yeah. I'm okay with, you know, give Goff a year. See if I, – I doubt he's going to have – you know, he's going to be the quarterback of the future just because he's had probably the best offensive coach uh, other than Andy Reid coaching him the last few years. So I don't think he's going to have, like, a big jump in statistics or anything this year. Maybe a change of scenery will help him. Uh, but overall, I'm okay with just, like you said, one-year placeholder with Goff, and then let's just get on with it, trade him if we need to.
3: Yeah, and one, one thing with Goff, too, if they do hang on to him for a season or two – I do think at some point you do you do need to draft a, a quarterback and yep. you know think about your quarterback of the future. But what this does kind of allow is you can use that number seven pick, or if they're going to try and trade or whatever, and you can build up those other positions. You know, you don't have to necessarily address quarterback right away. You can draft. You know, I know Jared loves drafting offensive linemen, but you can mm-hmm. draft an offensive lineman. You can get some defensive linemen, a linebacker. You know, so you don't with golf if you're going to hang on to him. Okay. Yeah, you're you're kind of set there for a year or two. You can kind of build a roster and have a strong team, and then address you know quarterback in a year or two. So there is something there too.
1: Well, before we get to Clint Galvis, let's also keep it in the NFL for just a moment. You know, this is kind of our dead weekend. We're recording this on Sunday. No NFL football. We got basketball later on today that we're going to hop in the locker room and talk about the Spartans. But uh, initial thoughts on the Super Bowl, guys. Tampa Bay, Kansas City. You got the old guy, obviously, with Brady taking on uh, the maybe Brady wannabe in Mahomes. Thoughts on the game itself here a week away?
3: It should be super exciting. I was just going to say that. It, it's funny. I mean, you knew these pictures were going to come up, but I've seen people show like the picture of Tom Brady in his first Super Bowl with the Patriots, and like where Patrick Mahomes was there, and he was like playing little league baseball. <laughs> so it's just like funny to, be, to see that stuff. But one thing that I've seen people say like Brady needs to win this game to really secure his legacy, and it's just like such a head scratcher. Like I, I think Brady's legacy is pretty well secure. Like this, this would just be adding to it if he wins another one.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, the funniest thing you're talking about how like it's kind of like the old Tom Brady photos. I saw one that kind of cracked me up, uh, and this is a very niche audience, but it was a picture of like Baby Yoda and uh, Yoda, like <laughs> as in terms of like Patrick Mahomes <laughs> versus Tom Brady. I thought that was funny. No, yeah, Tom Brady doesn't need to – I mean, he's already kind of shown that it wasn't just like he wasn't a system quarterback, which I think we all knew that already. But uh, with the way that the Patriots have kind of gone downward and he's taken the Buccaneers, who have been kind of meddling around 7-9 and nine for the last five years to the Super Bowl in his very first year. Over
1: 40 touchdown yes, passes, I he's, think. he's,
2: he's been balling. <laughs> uh, but in terms of just kind of the game – I have no way to know which way to lean. You, you don't bet against Tom Brady, but the Chiefs also seem like they're unbeatable. I know. Uh, it's a tough call, but the, the one thing that is for sure is, you know, we kind of were talking about how we're going to get into this on today's show is, is online gambling. You know, it's now legalized in Michigan, and if there's a perfect time to kind of get in on this, if you haven't already, there's a lot of free money going around there. It's for the Super Bowl. Uh, just this past weekend, I was talking about how with uh, before the show is how I jumped in and there's so much free money. There's you know even odds on if the P- Pistons are going to hit a three pointer in a game. Uh, I was able to win a hundred bucks on the Chiefs just because they beat the Buffalo Bills, betting one dollar. Like the free money that's given, getting handed out on these online books is insane. And if you're not
1: getting in on it, you're just an idiot. It's just to suck people in though, right? Because if you get in if, and pull if, out, yeah. If you're smart, you do exactly that. Yeah. Get your big money on your dollar bet and then just delete your account <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's never how it goes no but. it isn't <laughs> well yeah
3: because you know jared's gonna be we, we just heard the excitement on the lions he's gonna be betting the over next
2: fall i can feel <laughs> yeah. it uh, i don't know about that we'll see but <laughs> I, i'll say this yeah it's just it's it's dangerous how easy it is to place money on bets like i was watching the conor mcgregor fight and just I was like, you know what? I tuned into it late, uh, maybe legally or illegally. <laughs> and the guy right before him was fighting like Brad Holmes against like Max Holloway, and I just said, you know what, screw it, I'll throw twenty bucks on the favorite. The guy was like minus two hundred. Two seconds later, he gets knocked out, and I lost twenty dollars. <laughs> it's just funny how it's very, very dangerous, but it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. You know, a lot of my friends are, you know, there's group chats going back and forth talking about bets they're placing and this and that. And it just it gets the blood pumping like I, I forgot. Like yesterday, I'm glued to my TV watching college basketball just because I threw a few bets down. And, and it's, it's funny how it just completely changes the wiring in your brain where just an absolutely pointless game like Auburn versus Baylor. And I'm glued to my screen the entire time.
3: Same. Yeah, I think a lot of people in Michigan are going to, you know, SVP on uh, his sports center does that bad beat segment. Yeah. I think a lot of people in Michigan are going to be finding out about those bad beats that happen so often like you're talking about, Jared, those pointless games where, you know, it's it's a 12-point game just coming down to the wire, you know, whatever, and the line was like 11-and-a-half. And And some dude just nails, like, a pointless three-pointer at the buzzer that then flips, you know, and you bet one way, and that pointless three-pointer makes it go the other way. All of a sudden, there's going to be a lot of people in Michigan paying attention to stuff like
2: that now. I even had to, yeah, exactly, and I and I even have my like uh, my girlfriend is asking me like, hey, like, because I'm talking about all this like free money that's getting dogs. She's like, hey, you should just set me up an account. Oh. Uh, and I was like, you know, it, it's not quite as easy as it sounds. You know, it's not like it's free money. It's really not. Even last night, you're talking about bad beats, Lakers minus two versus the Boston Celtics. You know how much they end up winning? They win by one point. Huh. That's the ultimate worst when you bet the winning team and they don't cover the spread by one point. Yeah. And you end up losing anyway.
3: Talking about your girlfriend signing up and I'm not saying you know, I'm not saying like she doesn't know what she's talking about, but sometimes like with fantasy football or other things, it's the people who don't know anything who end up doing
2: well.
4: You know,
3: if you set her up an account. <laughs> I mean, if she wants to put yeah. some money down, maybe she would have picked Connor McGregor to lose because she just wanted to pick something, you know, different.
2: Yeah, the colors.
1: Yeah. Maybe they won't overthink it, right?
2: That's kind of how I'm viewing – so my grandpa has been kind of placing bets for me. He's like on a red-hot streak right now. (laughs) So I think I just need to keep kind of, and and what's funny is, you know, it's just a classic grandpa move. Every time he wins, he just says, "Hey, keep the money." And so I'm like, kind of like, keep asking him for bets here and there. And he's just he's on a red hot streak, and I'm trying to milk every ounce of money I can get out of that.
1: Yeah, it's funny. We, he, my dad and I were talking. What was it last week? You know, we were talking yeah. about uh, uh, Tampa Bay. And he says, "Hell, I think they're gonna win." Can you put some money down for me? I says, "Well, I can't, but let me reach out to Jared." <laughs> <laughs> and he did. So yep. he did all right. Well, it should be a good game, I think. Now, isn't the is the spread today Uh, three three and a half? half, half, I think for the Chiefs. Yep. So, if we had a bet today, guys, because I think I gotta believe the next time we get together for the podcast, maybe next Monday after the Super Bowl, or do you want to do one before it? We'll have our production meeting right now to discuss. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably I'm, after, I would guess. Probably, yeah, probably
2: after. All I'll right. just say that there's one bet that I absolutely love uh, for the Super Bowl, and it's it's plus four hundred odds. So if you bet you know ten bucks, you win forty. And forty percent of the Super Bowl games at the first quarter have been tied,
0: uh-huh. and that's
2: what the bet is. How many times does it feel like the the score is always seven seven right. after the first quarter? So that's one bet that I absolutely love. And then if I had to pick between the Chiefs and the in the box, I'm leading Chiefs minus three and a half.
1: Yeah, I, I can't go against Tom Brady. I mean, I, just, I have a feeling that he is on such a mission, and they do have a heck of a team. It's going to be tough to stop Mahomes without a doubt, but I can't bet against Brady. I am I probably would think that uh, Tampa Bay wins the game outright, and within three points, I would I would take that bet. Now, would I put big money down? No, but I just have that hunch.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. What, I mean, coming into last week's games, the, the championship weekend, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, maybe other than Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, was playing better than anyone on the planet. Yeah. And Tom Brady threw three interceptions, and the Buccaneers still beat the Packers at Lambeau Field. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to bet against Brady. But like we said, the Chiefs look like they're just absolutely ridiculous. The Buccaneers also have a really good defense, so they might be able to get after Mahomes. Yeah, I, I think if I, if I was a betting man, I can't legally bet here in North Carolina, so yeah. I would have to Venmo Jared some money to, <laughs> for me. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I would probably lean on betting with, you know, like you said, not going against Tom Brady. But, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a good game, I think.
1: All right. Well, we look forward to it a little different this year with COVID, of course, but they are allowing fans in the stands down there in Tampa. Tampa, by the way, everybody's heard about it by now playing at home that could be First a factor remember, itself yeah. yeah home stadium so uh it's gonna be fun we'll definitely uh talk about that game next week on our next pod i was but... gonna
3: sorry i, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off ted but no it's fine before you move on maybe yeah before you move on maybe i was gonna ask talking about some of these prop bets and stuff like that one of them is always like how long the national anthem is how long the halftime show is gonna be i was gonna ask you so the halftime show is the weekend do you know who the weekend is ted
1: uh, i do and i i it's strange that I know this too. I think he had plastic surgery too. I believe.
2: No, I think it no? was for uh, music video. Or I don't. I don't think it was actually. I don't think he actually. Well, had at least that was on the surgery. story, yeah, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> He's pretty good.
3: I like him. He's got a ton of hits, but yeah. uh, I saw. I just randomly I saw, or I heard on the radio actually that he put in because, like you said, the the whole no fan thing. You know, whatever's going on there, uh, they're able to use more of the stadium for mm-hmm. the show. He put in. Seven million dollars of his own money, wow. for his halftime show production because wow. he said he's going to make it like cinematic. He's going to since he has basically the whole stadium at his disposal for his uh, halftime show, he's gonna. It's just gonna like he's going to blow it up. So, so yeah, this halftime show might be legit. I like the weekend anyway, but uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what this halftime show is going to be all about.
2: It's nice to know that it seems like one sporting event, the Super Bowl. Is It's the ultimate TV event as is, and the fact that it seems like a lot of the commercials and stuff like that is still going to go on as usual, uh, and it's not going to lose a lot of juice. I can't believe the NFL even has made it this far. Zero cancellations. It's, it's honestly insane. I didn't think that we'd end up here, uh, but what I'll say about the weekend is just kind of to get you – Ted to sort of explain who this guy is. Yeah, uh, help me out in terms of the music genre. He's he's the he's the guy that the girls all love. Okay. You know, he's the I don't know who that was when you were young, like Michael Jackson or something <laughs> like that. Marv, no, uh,
3: probably like probably
2: like Marvin Gaye. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot there of his songs go. very sexual okay. and uh, along those lines. So just so you know what you're watching, you're probably gonna have a you know you might get a couple of uh, my wife like gl- yeah, worked up saying. or something or what. <laughs> you might you might end up having a, a good night <laughs> afterward. I guess is what I'll say to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can only hope, that's for
2: sure. <laughs> I, did, I did see, not not to uh, change the
3: subject from...
1: Oh, please do, will you? <laughs>
3: <Super Bowl. laughs> I did see, uh, you mentioned the, or the, the commercials. I did see, I'm sure you guys did, Budweiser is not running a Super mm-hmm. Bowl commercial this year for the first time in whatever, 30 years Holy or something cow. crazy. That they're going to, they said they're going to donate whatever money they would have used for a Super Bowl commercial to, uh, like, COVID funding or something yeah. like that, so... So that's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, that was cool. And what I saw about that also is like, what, Bud Light and all these other different brands that they like, Bud Light Seltzer, Bud Light, all these other different brands that are under the same Budweiser label are going to have commercials. So I just thought that was kind of, I wonder, because it's probably because Budweiser always has the Clydesdale right. or whatever, and probably a little bit bigger budget. Uh, they decided not to do it. I don't know. But it is cool. I feel like a lot more people should do that. But...
1: And, and that. That alone is good PR. You, yeah. you, you run commercials for PR, how can you get better PR than helping this country get back to normal, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what we all got to do. Well, it's outstanding, boys. We're off to a good start here and uh, you know, speaking of good starts, Clint Galvis had a good start down there in the state championship game, but held on. We're going to check in with him next right after these words. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Conveniently located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Janka family are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since 2000. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that's focused on your success. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. Located in downtown Owasso, call for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more info on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Hankard Sportswear is the area's top clothing and more printing business. Located in the heart of Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street. Give them a follow on Facebook at Hankard.sportswear.
5: Here is Muron getting the call. Around the right end gets a block. He has the 25, the 20 against the green, the 10, the 5, into the end zone. Will Muron and just like that? Two offensive plays. 27-yard touchdown, Will Miran. Cam Orr out of the shotgun, fakes the jet sweep. Has a man completely open downfield oh, in Garza my. at the 45, the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, New Lothrop. 65-yard connection to a wide-open Julius Garza. Orr takes a stab. Yep, he's rolling to his left. He's going to throw the high home run ball to the far sidelines and zero's on the clock, it's incomplete. And that'll end it, the Hornets, Clint Galvis, runs to the field, gets the big bear hug, wins the state championship here at Ford Field. Undefeated title, first time undefeated for a state championship, third MHSAA football championship, fourth overall counting the 1962 mythical championship and the new Lothrop Hornets are in mass celebration and well deserved.
1: Well, you heard the highlights, and uh, we have the head coach, uh, an outstanding start to his high school coaching career, now 128-15 and 15 with a couple of state championships. It got a little dicey at the end, but we have the head coach, Clint Galvis, on with us. And first of all, Coach, uh, how did uh, state championship number two compare to number one?
4: It was pretty special, you know, and I think, the, you know, obviously the biggest difference, there was no fans on there, so it was a little different feel, to be honest, but I tell you, when we came back into town, was when it really kind of hit us. Because when we came back, uh, the whole town was uh, was just sitting there, you know, waiting for us. Uh, and we actually had the bus drop us off um, right in the beginning of town, and the whole team got off the bus and like walked the entire town, which was pretty special. It was kind of a cool sight, and so that was when it kind of really uh, really sunk in. And uh, you just you, you can tell, I mean, it's a small town like Ulta, how much you know, their athletics and, and, you know, football team means to them. And uh, so it was pretty special to actually literally bring the trophy back to the town and uh, the championship back to the town. And just to see that reaction, um, you know, in our small little town was, was pretty special.
2: So just to go back to kind of the season real quick, uh, when it got canceled, probably what was the last time it got canceled before it was restarted again. Can you take me back to when you found out you guys were going to be playing uh, after the district final football game? Because I feel like a lot of people didn't think they were going to play any more games after that.
4: Yeah, you know, and obviously we always try to you know stay positive about the whole situation. But, yeah, after that second shutdown, I mean, it felt a little bleak. And how I found out was kind of funny. <laughs> I was just getting up north to a deer camp or a late-season deer camp with a bunch of boating and got the call as we just got there that uh, we were going to be restarting the following Monday and so mm. yeah it was a little bit of anxiety kind of set in a little bit just anxiousness like oh crap i got to get this done this <laughs> you know get ready to go so it was kind of funny how that worked out because it actually happened the same way when we when they announced that we were going to have a season and that was be going into the labor day weekend it was the same situation i think i pulled up up north with the family for a big labor day uh, weekend you know and the football obviously was you know uh, kind of at that point, I hadn't even started and didn't know if it was going to. And pulled in, got a call. Hey, you guys are starting, uh, going to be starting having a football season. And, and uh, again, it was like holy crap! Like I got you know immediate anxiety because yeah. every time I found out, I was hours and hours away. And uh, you know, and all I could think about was obviously getting ready to roll. And uh, so it kind of happened both situations the same way. Coach, you mentioned uh,
3: the support from your community, and you know I know they weren't at the stadium with you guys. You know, like they would have been if they were allowed to be at Fort Field. But, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about on the podcast before, all of the three of us are from Kirana, and we've talked about how big the community support is, that whole community aspect, you know, from yeah. our playing days back in high school. How yep. big is that for the kids and for you personally to have a community like New mm-hmm. Ultra behind you, especially in a year, you know, through COVID and through all the, the delays and everything like that? How big is that?
4: Oh, I mean, that? It's, it's everything. It's huge. Right? It's, uh, it, it just gives you a sense of pride. The kids just, they want to, you know, it's, it's another motivating factor. You know, you're not just playing for yourself or playing for your team and your brothers, but you're playing for a whole community. And uh, that's the feel that we have. I mean, going into that game, even, I mean, before the game we said that hey our fans are gonna be here but better believe uh you know that that's who we're playing for is all those people that wish they were here and you know answer question it, it's it's huge for us I and mean, it's a, it's definitely something that we constantly think about and uh and we know that they always have our back. So
1: well I know you're also a big believer on leadership and senior leadership specifically. And you know, you, you have a lot of talent on that team obviously but most of the headlines goes to the big three Will Muron, Cam Orr and I mean the kid that had one of the greatest games I have ever seen in my life in Julius Garza. I mean, literally he left it all on the field. And I mean, literally with that, from what I saw on the television replay, but just briefly talk about uh, uh, what you were seeing there with uh, Julius Garza.
4: Yeah, just insane, but at the same time, not surprised, you know, and it's kind of like you, I went back and watched the game on TV, I was like, Oh my gosh, like you see even all the, how much more he did when you get to watch it again. Right. And, I mean, even just a block extra point. I mean, all the little things he did was huge. You know what, again, uh, I was really, really happy that Julius got to end his, his career like that. Um, obviously, he's a three-year starter on both sides of the ball, so you knew he had, was a pretty special kid and had great talent. But, um, you know, obviously all year long with Cam and Will kind of, um, you know, were the, the two-headed monster really all year long. And it was funny because going into that last game, you know, Will and Julius are really close. And, and uh, Will told uh, Julius before the game, which was kind of funny and ironic. He says, uh, Hey man, they're going to be keen on me today. And he goes, you're going to have one heck of a game. And he told him that before the game. And uh, sure enough, man, they were, you know, they were flying, you know, following Will around. they had spy on him all the time. And, uh, and it really just kind of opened the door for Julius. And I think a lot of people forgot about Julius throughout this year, just because of, like I said, the, it was, you know, Will and Cam had such uh, big years and uh, for him to go out and like I said, finish the way he did was just awesome to see. Uh, very deserving. The kid worked his butt off and, and you know he never said a word all year long. I mean, he's a mind you. Last year he was all first team all state on both sides of the ball hmm. by the Michigan High School Football Coach Association. This year he's not even an uh, honorable mention. Wow. And so. You know, and it just because it's like, yeah, he didn't have the stats that he did, you know, as, as a junior. So, like I said, I think a lot of people just forgot about him. And then uh, he he, he kind of was like, well, you're going to remember me now. And that <laughs> definitely left his mark.
2: To go back to uh, to segue away from the state championship game real quick, uh, my, probably the favorite game I saw you guys play this year was against Schoolcraft. Can you kind of walk me through what the game plan was for that team? Because they had so many weapons on offense, and yep. it probably was a bit of a different offense than you're used to seeing uh, in preparing for on defense because they threw it all over the yard what was the game plan going into that game? yeah
4: no we knew i mean going into that game and still i said, you know schoolcraft's the best team all-around team we played i mean they were just they were good up front and it was the one team that i felt could match us a little bit athletically you mm-hmm. know and that was what uh i guess i guess it wasn't you know making nervous but just that you knew that was going to be um uh, you know, going to be who can win those one on one matchups. And because a lot of times we're able to get away, we're able to get Will one on one with people, we're able to get to this one on one with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll spread you out, and Cam's, a, you know, uh, obviously a big, strong athletic kid, too. So, you know, going into that game, um, you know, I felt we felt pretty good defensively that because uh, our, our, we felt like our, uh, our front seven could do enough to get some pressure on them. And, and we did to an extent. You know, obviously that kid's an all state. You know, quarterback for a reason, and he made some plays. But I thought defensively we did enough. We created two big turnovers, a couple big interceptions that, you uh, know, obviously towards the end of the uh, the first half there ended up being big. We went on like, I think we scored 24 points in the final, whatever, yeah. you know, final five minutes anyway of the, of the second quarter, which really ended up being the difference. Um, and our defense kind of created that for us and, and put us in some good situations. And then, you know, obviously, uh, Will Muron, I don't know what he had, probably over 300 total yards. Uh, and again, it was just getting him trying to get Will in space, and uh, we were able to do that a couple times. And then, you know, obviously when Will gets a little bit of space, um, he's able to do big things, and um, he was able to do that. And, and of course, uh, up front, I thought I, I thought we won actually the, the line of scrimmage on both sides, which I, I think was a difference. And then just like in the state finals, uh, um, you know, turnovers are kind of a difference. And, and, you know, we created a couple turnovers. We didn't really turn the ball over. And, then, you know, same thing in the finals there. We had, you know, two big turnovers in the first half that, again, kind of ended up being a big difference. And um, You know, the old cliche, uh, you know, if you don't turn the ball over, you win games. And You know, we were kind of able to do that throughout the stretch.
3: Uh, The first question I asked you was about community. Another big C word that we talk about on the podcast a lot, culture. And Mm -hmm. we talk about it with maybe the Detroit Lions need to change their culture. Hopefully they're doing that with a new coaching staff. We talk about it with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Maybe he needs to work on changing that culture in the Wolverines locker room how big is it for you guys? This sure seems like the Hornets that you've established a winning culture there in New Lothrop, you and your coaching staff. How big is it for you guys to know that when the kids come in, they know that they're going to have a chance to probably play for a state title if they play through their senior year uh, playing for New Lothrop, having that winning culture in your locker room? Yeah. I mean, you know,
4: obviously it's, um, it's, just, it's a whole added confidence for these guys when they, they truly believe every time they take the field. That they're unbeatable, and, and you know I, I don't mean it to sound cocky. It's just this confidence that these guys have that you want them to have. I've always said a confident, a confident team is a dangerous team, and and I truly feel that we're just always confident. We always feel like we're the better team. We always, you know, feel like every time you know we take the field, we're going to win that game. And you're right; it does create a culture of obviously winning and uh you know and that just kind of continues to build on itself when you continue to, to win games and things you get that feeling you get that confidence and you know and it but it doesn't come without a lot of work you know that's one thing we preach is hey we're we will not let any team outwork us and that's something our coaching staff continues to tell them and and they believe that they believe they deserve to win every game because they've done all the work necessary to win it they believe they've outworked everyone they play so they deserve to win so just to kind of have that, you know, it's a huge mental mindset More as much as anything. Obviously, physically, yeah, um, we'll be there physically. But I think, you know, we play against a lot of teams that are physically could probably match us in some ways. But I just think mentally we, we have an edge in, uh, you know, a lot of most games probably because the kids believe they've already – Outwork their opponent. They've already knew that they're better than them. And, um, you know, and that I think that goes a long ways on that, that mental
2: edge. You've kind of were talking about earlier in the schoolcraft game how a lot of what you do now is almost like trying to get one on one matchups on offense. You guys used to run like this under center uh, sort of option attack, which I used to love. What was kind of the decision that made you kind of alter to more of like a spread attack? Why'd you change that?
4: Yeah. My thing is, I, I just I felt like, uh, and it's it, sometimes it's constantly different, different too. We add wrinkles here and there depending on your personnel, and I think that's what you got to do. You got to kind of mm-hmm. make your game plan for for what you have. And uh, I think in you know the past, I don't know, number of years now, we've had some some pretty good talent. We've had really good speed. I think our team speed the last probably decade has been um, almost unmatched in our division. Uh, I mean, there's a few teams here and there like Loyola and things like that that can match us a little bit speed wise, but. Um, the reason we kind of switched to that is because I felt like it just did a better job of getting our athletes out in space. Yeah. And, um, and when we were able to do that, you know, obviously big things happen when you can get them one-on-one matchups, a lot of times we're going to win those one-on-one matchups. And at the same time, you know, shoot the last, uh, you know, four or five years, we've had some pretty, uh, big physical quarterbacks where we can run, you know, read stuff and get these big guys coming downhill and, you know, and between Avery Moore and, and Cam Moore, there's a couple big loads coming downhill and, uh. You know, and so that's been a big, big reason too. We've gone to a lot of what we've done offensively is because of the because of the, the, the um, personnel we've had at quarterback too.
2: Uh, one last question for me: You were uh, a coach uh, for a couple years before you ended up at New Lothrop uh, in the Flint area. How did you end up coming to New Lothrop, and what was the job interview like? And what made you want to get that job in the first place?
4: So yeah, I was uh, I was originally in Montrose for uh, for a few years uh, mm-hmm. doing uh, freshman J.B. Uh, football. You know, obviously I played at Montrose. Um, and then I got my first teaching job at Hamity, so I went over and uh, obviously was teaching there. So I was coaching with Nate Williams, who became a great mentor of mine, still a great friend to this day. And I uh, was coaching under him, and then he just he, he took the Carmen Ainsworth job, and I really had no one. This and to be honest, I always loved coaching football. I just wanted mm-hmm. to be a coordinator, but that job, uh, you know, he left late and it was like June. And Then didn't have anyone, so I was like, all right, that's so you why know, I knew the kids and the personnel, so I stepped up and um, took the head coaching job. Excuse me, at Hammity. Um and record wise obviously we didn't do very good. I mean we were one and eight and we lost I don't know, I think we lost like four or five games by a touchdown or less and we you know, we were we just we struggled. You know, but uh I felt like I learned a lot as a coach and as a person and uh kind of I think helped me be you know, it uh, helped me in the long run to be honest. But after that first year of head coaching, um I had always lived out here. I'm ten minutes from the Ltd. The job opened up, you know, I kinda of threw my name in the hat and uh yeah, and, and got a call for an interview. I went in there for an interview and I remember going in there and I was uh all gung ho about you know talking about football and uh, you know my ideas and all these things and uh, it actually turned into more of they were more interested in what I would bring to the PE and health side in the school and so uh, I quickly tried to transition to start talking yeah. about teaching and <laughs> I think ultimately that's why they hired me at New Ulm was more for teaching you know because my teaching and what I thought, of, you know, what, what I could bring as far as that goes, you know, but I, like I said, I've always been grateful in the Alltip. I mean, they brought in a one and eight, you know, my record of time was one and eight when I came to Alltip and uh, I was 25 years old, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so 25 year old, one and eight coach. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads, like, what are they doing? So I, I like I said, I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. And, uh, you know, obviously I was able to kind of put a staff, which I think is the best staff in the entire state. I mean, I, I truly, I mean, we were just a bunch of, best friends and coach football together, there's no egos. Everyone just wants what's best for kids. They want to win games. And, uh, and build you know, young men and, and young young men and character. you know, talk you know, obviously build character and that's the staff that we have around us. Uh, we put in I think more time than anybody mm-hmm. as far as game planning and that goes and I think that's what's uh, kind of, you know, ultimately led to uh, the success we've had over the last 12 years here.
1: Well, I'll wrap it up with you here, coach. You know, it's it speaks for itself. We talked about it at the very beginning. 128 and 15, two state championships. Who knows what the future holds for you. You know, it sounds like uh, you're really happy in New Lothrop, you're raising a family there. Inevitably, if you keep up this kind of success, you know, there could be other possibilities for you. Have you thought about that at all down the road?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, as we've had success, those opportunities they you know, they come you know, they people knock and, and you know, try to figure you out and ask and, and uh but just like you just answered the question there, I mean it's I'm happy in New York. it's a great community. I got tremendous support, I got the best staff in the state, my kids go there, you know, I am I'm content, I'm happy, uh and I don't, I don't foresee uh, going anywhere else. And uh, you know, that's that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I
2: actually have just one more question for you, Coach. uh y- yeah. You are obviously a really successful coach, but who are some coaches that you maybe look up to and try to kind of copy their either their philosophy or their like playbook and X's and O's wise?
4: I watch a lot of college football, mm-hmm. and um, you know, if I'm watching games, I love watching Clemson. I love watching hot State. I mean. That that just uh, they do the same thing. I mean, and I, I steal stuff from them all the time. I mean, as far as you know, trying to get their athletes out in space. I mean, Alabama did it this year, right? right. I mean, and so I you know I don't know if I could pick one one in particular scheme mm-hmm. wise, but um, as far as philosophy, and what coaches are all about. I mean, all the I mean, I wouldn't be coaching if it wasn't for Dennis Ryder and Montrose. If it wasn't for me coaching under Nate, you know, you know Nate Williams, mm-hmm. and then David Beasley, my wrestling coach. I mean, in high school, they just you know, and them guys just. I don't know. It just they taught me a lot about uh that it's it's a lot more than the X's and o's and um, you know, I'll forever be grateful and, and you know, I think that's that's why I coached A's because of those guys I had the privilege of coaching uh with and playing for. So
1: Well, I will tell you this. Whoever you learn from and it sounds like you learned from some good ones, you as far as I can tell, from what I've seen, you know I'm an old timer you have the most diversified high school playbook I think I've ever seen. I mean, you come at all different angles, all different kinds of plays, and it's just fun to watch, Clinton. It's been fun to watch your career so far, and we really appreciate you taking time out to join us. And I know you got got to get to some uh, rabbit hunting, so we'll let you go with that. <laughs> no <all right>? worries. <laughs> no, way. hey,
4: guys, I appreciate you having me on. and all the coverage you guys did that was huge i know our listeners uh love listening to you guys i love going back and listening to the game afterwards too i have a good time doing that and uh i just appreciate all the uh the love and coverage you guys uh give me all the.
1: all right clint again thanks for the time and uh we'll catch up with you down the road Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of three-point Podcast, Keep supporting them by calling in your takeout orders. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. Sheridan Auction Service always has a wide variety of items and real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Looking out for you, Sheridan Auction Service. Nelson House Funeral Homes' top goal is to serve the families in our community. The number one priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. Check out more information on the web at nelson-house.com. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that is focused on your success. The home financing team has over 25 years experience and origination of all types of loans. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. You're not lost in the crowd like working with a mega-sized bank. Every transaction is given complete attention from the very beginning to the end. Located in downtown Owasso, call today for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more information on the web at successgroupmortgage.com.
6: All right, so for anyone listening on the podcast right now, the three of us were on Locker Room App. Again, we tweeted out, we posted on Facebook, but uh, we do this fairly often. Hop on Locker Room and talk about Michigan State sports, Michigan State, Michigan sports, you know, whatever's going on. But the Locker Room app, it's free to download, free to sign up. So go ahead and do it. And, yeah, you can join us and talk about whatever we're talking about. And anyone out there on Locker Room, we're 3 Point Podcast. Uh, myself, Matt, Jared, and Ted up there. You can find our podcast wherever you listen. Just search 3 Point Podcast. Or on social media, just look up at 3 Point Pod and give us a follow. So, yeah, today um, the Spartans are wrapping up their game right now in Ohio State. Looks like they're down 15. Doesn't look like they're going to make a comeback here. I don't know. My initial thoughts, I guess, you know, we've been saying it for basically the whole season. And it just seems like right now, especially with that layoff that Michigan State had for a few weeks, and we're seeing that losing guys like Tillman and Winston are even bigger losses than we knew they were going to be. Michigan State just seems to, like, struggle to... Like get things together. Like they kinda go on like a little two, three, four oh run, but they can't string together stops. Or they don't have a guy like Cassius Winston who can be like, All right, I'm gonna go get some buckets and score seven straight on my own. Or even a guy like Matt McQuaid, a guy that, you know, you can rely on to knock down shots. And they just seem to be struggling to find that guy. Hauser's not really doing it. Langford's not really doing it. Rocket Watts isn't really looking like the guy that they thought that he would be. So it just seems like right now, I don't know if, you know, the strange off season or then that layoff in the middle of the season for the Spartans, they're just like out of whack. That's it. Just watching them, they look like they're out of whack.
2: I mean, the season took a turn for the worst at when Purdue came down from 17 and, and ended up winning on that buzzer beater. And then, like you mentioned, the big break that they had. But every time I watch this team, I am like more and more surprised at just like how bad they are. Like, there's really like there's like what is it even that they even like hang their hat on they're not a classic michigan state team that like dominates the boards i mean you watched ohio state just take it to them inside today bingham it, maybe weighs uh 110 pounds soaking wet uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just they they can't score they don't have a go-to score. they don't have the classic uh tom Izzo like leadership point guard they really have nothing even like guys like foster lawyer who we saw, obviously, we talk about him all the time. He's such, like, just a like lightning rod in terms of, like, conversation because in high school he was the best shooter I've ever seen in my entire life, and then he gets to the college ranks and he's just he literally bricks more three-pointers than anyone I've ever watched before. I, I just don't understand how this team is, like, underperforming so much, especially when they're coached by Tom Izzo, and I think really the only way to point out why that is is because they just seem like they don't like each other. You, you talk about a team that just looks like the culture just is not great and they're not the best of friends. It's this Michigan State roster. They look like they hate each other, and it's just depressing yeah. watching them play, frankly.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is not a typical Michigan State team, obviously. I think the best thing about this game today was the opening theme by CBS. I mean, that got me all pumped up, and then it was all <laughs> downhill for that. But but I will say this. Isn't that awesome? No, doesn't that get you fired up for March Madness when you hear it that does. opening theme? It, 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 no, it really does. It, it just says college basketball. But this team, you know, they're just not very good. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, the bigs, you know, they're not that athletic either. You know, you, they don't have any speed to get up and down the court. And, and you're right, Jared. Lawyer was tremendous in high school. But you watch him out there. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a good, you know, seventh, eighth man maybe to come in just for spot duty. But when you're playing him a lot of minutes, you're just in trouble. That's all there is to it.
6: Yeah, and, and the big man thing is what is glaring to me. I mean, yes, the the guard play definitely, but you know, Watts is solid, Langford is solid, you know, they do have some pretty pretty good guard play. But the big man thing, I mean, you know, we're used to seeing like recently guys like Tillman and even Nick Ward and you know, some other guys like that. But Michigan State just like even when they were just like a good team, you know, not not necessarily the final four teams or the really good Michigan State teams, even when they were just like solid. Yeah, One thing you could always – like, Jared, you mentioned, like, what do they hang their hat on? One thing you could always hang your hat on with a Tom Izzo team is they're not going to get outworked on the glass. They're always going to be outworking you on defense. You you know, you're going to have to work to get offensive rebounds against Michigan State. And, I mean, I'm not saying I've watched every second of Michigan State basketball this year, but what I have watched, they just get worked on the glass. I mean, I don't know if it's uh, – a uh, they're kind of checked out because it's been just such a weird season. They can't get a flow, but it, other teams just seem to push them around almost. And you're, you're not you don't usually see that with Tom Izzo teams.
2: No, you don't. It, it, it's it's like watching it's torture uh, watching this <laughs> Michigan State team. Uh, to put it lightly, there's nothing to hang their hat on. They have just they struggle in every facet of like just the game of basketball. But the thing that I would say is like just quote unquote like put your money where your mouth is. If you're a gambler and you're not just pretty much fading Michigan State. Uh, every single game from here on out. Like, I just feel like you're just missing out on a big opportunity. I don't see them turning it around. I know they have time as I know they play their best basketball in March, but I think this has really gotten away from them. And like when a snowball like this starts forming, where you're just losing games left and right and nothing's going well for you. I don't think they're going to be able to put the like train back on the track. So it's crazy to think that they're not going to make the NCAA tournament, but I don't think they have any chance in hell of making the tournament, which is insane to think because we just saw the stat today during the game they haven't they haven't missed the tournament since 1997,
1: which is just incredible. Like this is a testament to Tom Izzo, but good lord, this team's in trouble. Yeah, I mean, mathematically, they're not in a point where they could count it out 100%, but this team does not look like a team that's going to make a late run and bang off eight, nine wins in a row, you know, to get on a streak. It just doesn't look that way and doesn't have that feel. Do you guys think that, you know, we watched the Wolverines in football and what a weird season that was, and, you know, part of that was because of the whole COVID thing. You know, 13 of the Spartans, including their coach, had COVID you think that has anything to do uh, mentally yeah. or
6: physically yeah I mean I, I guess yeah I I definitely think that was a big part you know that I and I wonder what's going to happen with Michigan so we, not Michigan players didn't necessarily get COVID like what you're talking about Ted but this, right. this two-week layoff that Michigan's having they were playing really well before they you know had this layoff so you know maybe their mindset is like okay cool this is almost just like a, a two-week break so okay but Michigan State, on the other hand, you got guys getting COVID. They're playing really bad, and then they have that two or three week layoff. So, right, you do wonder if if they're almost just like, in a sense, going through the motions right now. Like, yeah, you, you know, they're they're fighting, they're practicing, they're they're trying to to win and play hard. But it does have to be draining. I mean, not only are you playing really bad and like starting to look like you're not even going to make the tournament, but then you have that three week layoff, and then you got to come back and play. Ohio state and, you know, a bunch of other good big 10 teams. I, yeah. It probably is really draining. And then now they've got to play Iowa two times in the next two weeks. So, Ouch. yeah, I mean, I I'm with you. It, it is really starting to look like they're not going to make the tournament, but I'm not going to count them out until those brackets are released because they, they, they would be the team that all of a sudden gets hot and like wins the big 10 tournament and gets to the March madness, you know, but I don't know.
2: Yeah. they, They could. Can we just talk about this real quick? I'll throw this out on the table. Well, you mentioned – well, let me go back to this real quick. Ted, I think you're right on the money is that we're not giving enough credit to, like, that COVID layoff because we just saw Iowa take a week off, and then when they come back, I mean, they drop a game to a a pretty good Illinois team, but a game that a lot of people felt like they should have probably won. Uh, And you just know Michigan is probably going to struggle when they come back too, which is very scary. Uh, But can we talk about Michigan State's, like, what is going on with their, like, identity and, like, brand? I, I tweeted about it they why do they have a new alternate jersey like every game whether it's basketball football whatever it is and and have you noticed they're all just like terrible I'm not sure who's like the like the brand manager at Michigan State but he must like come from Oregon or something because that's what he seems to think that they are here's the thing with Michigan State they are gruffy Spartan they're the classic you know green and the white script. all white uniforms green helmets like you don't change that that's like somebody going into like penn state and just w- starting to wheel out all these like different alternate jerseys they're terrible they need to stop doing it know what they are they're not that and it's just it's embarrassing because every time they play if there's a tent there's 10 tweets on my timeline about how horrible their jerseys are
6: the the whole highlighter thing whether it's mi- basketball or football i'm not a fan of the highlighter uniforms and then yeah today when i turned on the game I, I didn't know what I was looking at because I had to like squint to see yeah. the the Spartan on the front. But I wasn't really a fan. I don't know, Ted. What do you? You're not big on the whole uniform thing. What do you think, Ted?
1: No, I'm not, and, and I hate the fluorescent green with the Spartans in football and basketball. To be honest with you guys, you'll laugh at me, but I didn't think today's were that bad. I, I, right. thought, they, I thought they were kind of a good look, actually. But I'm not a big fan of of alternate jerseys in general. That's why it surprises me. It's either. Jared has changed his tune, or just changed his tune, because it involved the Spartans.
2: No, it's because they're bad jerseys. Like they're just wearing colors that aren't even Michigan State colors. Mm -hmm. Like all black, you can't you can't even see what the hell the jersey jersey even says other than the numbers. They're just
1: not good uniforms. That's the problem. (laughs) Are Um, they were they truly all black, or were they just a deep deep forest green? No, those were black. Okay, I, I don't know if they had something
2: to do with like maybe uh like black black lives matter or like something along those lines or, or black history month but if if that is the case regardless they're just not cool uniforms and i just don't know what they're going for really uh one thing i'll say just last thing on michigan state on the court is aaron henry uh, you talk about like yeah. you you don't want to circle out one guy as kind of like the root of the problem but they really were counting on him big time this year, and, and after like what he had like at the start of his career, like big time tournament run, you know some big games at the start of his career. Uh, since then, he just kind of hasn't really lived up to the hype. And this year is more not- noticeable than in years past that just flat out he's not what he needs to be. And they need him to be a stud, and he's just an average player who is inconsistent scorer. He's just he's underperformed, and that's really where I think the problems start uh, with Michigan State is Aaron Henry.
6: Yeah, and you, you wonder, like, I I do think, and, you know, I know I'm not the biggest Michigan State basketball fan, so I'm not trying to, like, take shots here, but I do think maybe this is where Izzo does take a little criticism because they put so much stock in Foster Lawyer being the, the point guard after, you know, Cassius Winston. They put a lot of stock in Rocket Watts being maybe that guy, Aaron Henry. And maybe these are a couple a couple little whiffs recruiting, you know, like maybe they shouldn't have pushed so hard to bring in Kithier or Foster Lawyer or some of these guys. So, so yeah, they're going to be banking on, like, Bates coming in next year, Akins coming in next year. Those those uh, freshmen coming in next year on that, that great class, they might be stealing some of these upperclassmen's minutes because, I don't know, yeah, Henry and Watts, they're not really showing a whole lot this year, so – yeah, well, I'll be curious. And, and do, you, do you guys think that Izzo, like we, we talked about it before, like trying to find a rotation? I'm sure he's just trying to find a rotation. But I mean, there is still talent on this team and they're just getting they're getting like run off the floor. I mean, we're not we're not talking about like they're like Eastern Michigan type talent. There are still really good basketball players on Michigan
1: State's team. So, you know, does Izzo actually deserve a little bit of criticism this year? Without a doubt, I think so, yeah. I mean, it goes all the way from, from him, the top, all the way to the bottom. I mean, they're they're not playing well. You you watch their offense today compared to Ohio State. It wasn't even close, you know, moving yeah. the ball around and, and snapping it quickly and going to the basket. They're slow. Uh, you know, their scheme wasn't good. I mean, you know, I hate to say it, but Izzo, it could be the COVID year. You know, he gets a break for sure, but is he also getting a little burnt out? I don't know. Yeah. It seems like it, but the sad thing
2: is if you if you don't like Michigan State like I do, I eat your cake now because they have uh, like the next LeBron James coming in next year. So if you're a State fan and you're like kind of like this season, is, you might as well just toss this season right into the garbage and just start preparing for next year because you're going to have one hell of a season next year.
1: And if yeah, you're Jared Fatel you're saying he won't show up on campus and he'll go right to the NBA.
2: <laughs> or, yeah, I hope so. Or he's just a bust. I don't know. I, right. I don't think he is. I've seen him play in person. He's basically Kevin Durant. So we got that to look forward to.
6: No. Yeah. And to that point, like we were talking about earlier today when we were recording, uh, I think I brought it up that, you know, what you're talking about with Michigan state being down and maybe, you know, just the big 10 being a little more open. This is, and we, we brought it up a a few minutes ago, Michigan needs to take advantage of this year because by the time they come back, I think they come back on February 11th uh, against Illinois yes they'll be they'll have that like two week layoff so they'll probably be a little rusty but they might be you know with with Iowa losing a couple games with Wisconsin losing a couple games you know maybe like i mentioned Michigan State does play Iowa maybe Michigan State's able to like pull an upset and help out Michigan but Michigan might be sitting at like a a two or three game lead in the Big 10 like really sitting there in a good spot to win the Big 10 so do we think like, this is the year Michigan needs uh, – Ted, you said it. Not just Big Ten. They need to make a run at the national title. Like, is this the year Michigan needs to, like, lock in and be like, we got to take advantage
2: this year. Hell yes. Yeah. I think – don't we just, like – just yeah, I agree 100%. This is – got to – especially in a year of college basketball where it seems like the, a lot of the usual, like, powers, like Duke, Michigan State, uh, Kentucky are all having down years. Like, this is, a, this is the year for Michigan to maybe make a run to the Final Four and, and for sure to really give a good effort at the Big Ten title just looking back at Imani base for real quick for one second is you got to think like Michigan and Juwan Howard are kicking themselves just about how they handled his recruiting. You saw it like back then where Michigan state had like three or four players at numerous games of his, like throughout the entire year where it's in the, it's in Michigan's backyard. Juwan Howard, he has all the swag. He has like all this like momentum coming in. And I just don't understand how they weren't quite able to get him. And I just really think that that's going to be the thing that we circle as Michigan fans, just as, If this guy was coming in next year, just think, we are preseason number one team in the country, and we are, like, en route to probably the national championship game if we would just lured that guy to Michigan. I mean, to be fair, I
6: I definitely agree with you. It is strange. To be fair, though, Michigan does have the number one class next year, even without Bates. And if Dickinson comes back and, you know, a couple of the other young guys, I think Michigan's going to be okay. But, right, if if they could have figured out a way to get Bates. I do wonder, you know, because – by the time Juwan came in, it seemed like Izzo was already like pretty well in on Bates. Yeah. And you know, I don't know, maybe Beeline wasn't really recruiting Bates. So I'm sure Juwan gave him a call or something. But yeah, like you said, Winston, Tillman, all those dudes were going to Bates' game. So it seemed like Izzo had him basically locked up. But yeah, but yeah I have I'll, one, I'll...
1: I have an old man type of question on that too. Are we seeing a trend going away? from the one-and-dones? I mean, we are seeing the Dukes and the Kentucky struggling, you know. Are we seeing a trend this season, or is it just we throw everything out the door just because of COVID?
2: I think college basketball is just having a little bit of a down year in terms of, like, a big big recruits coming in and, like, balling out in their freshman year. I think it, it's it's going away just for the fact that the rule has changed, and now players yeah. like like Ronnie James, and if it had been in place like last year, Amani Bates could just go right to the NBA and not even mm-hmm. have to play – College basketball,
6: yeah, and maybe like seeing what Lomelo Ball did, yeah, bouncing all over the place. he played all over, and now he's balling out in the NBA. You know, it could be changing things. But that's the thing with the one and done, and like to your point, Ted, Duke hasn't won the ACC in like fifteen years, and Kentucky, Kentucky's only won one title with their whole like one and done scheme with Calipari. So, so yeah, it's awesome to get a a Bates or some of these other dudes that are going to be one and done. But, you know, college basketball, and I'm not trying to sound like a boomer or something, but, like, college basketball, you you need to establish. You need some upperclassmen. Like, that's why I think Michigan, with Brooks, with Livers, you know, with some guys who have been there a couple of years, that's where they're playing well. So, you know, maybe maybe some teams are going to start seeing that. But, right, to your point, Jared, if you have a guy like Bates in your backyard, you know, like Michigan and Michigan State, you, you've you got to try and get him. You can't just let him go. But, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, any other, any other thoughts? We're thinking – this is Michigan's year to, to win the Big Ten, Michigan State. Are we really saying Michigan State's not going to make the tourney, or do we think, you know, they're going to turn it around?
2: I think this is what, you know, the game that's going to determine whether or not they make the tournament or not is, is going to be Michigan. And you guys know, like, throughout <laughs> the records, throughout the stats going into that game, uh, it would not shock me whatsoever if Michigan State beats Michigan just because that's how it always goes. And I think if they can somehow win that game, that's a huge resume builder. And if they can stay just stay right above the eight, the 500 mark, I think that all they need is one big win like that, and I think they could make it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if they're a bubble team, they're getting in on name and reputation. Yeah, Izzo's name. So if they're bubble, they're in, but they have to put a few wins together for sure.
6: Yeah, a couple big wins. They got to figure out who's who can score that basket because because Jared's guy Foster Lawyer, he's not doing it. <laughs>
2: but uh... hey, we welcome him with open arms to Michigan. I want him at Michigan bad. Whether it's grad transfer or whatever it is, I want them there. The
1: new spike. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice.
2: Well,
6: all right, guys. So, yeah, for uh, for everyone listening on the podcast, again, download Locker Room app and join us next time that we're on here. It's a fun time. And anyone out there on Locker Room, you know, search 3 Point Podcast everywhere and give us a follow. So, yeah, let's go. Go Blue. Go Blue.
1: Advanced Elevator Company have expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. An area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools, Advanced Elevator. The Hankard Sportswear team pride themselves by giving a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. They do it by providing a 100% guarantee to satisfy your expectations. Hankard Sportswear always have Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul School Spirit items in stock. Also special items for family, sporting, business, and charity events. Call them at 989-725-2979. Stop on into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso and follow them on Facebook at hanker.sportswear. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Follow us. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. I want to thank uh, Coach Clint Galvez for joining us here talking new Lothar football. And by the way... If you like what Jared, the young guy, brings to the pod here, check out his solo gig at Fat Stack Sports. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on with Fat Stacks there, young man. So Fat Stack Sports
2: is pretty much, we have a few different uh, shows under our umbrella, Uh, Scrambled Legs podcast by Noah and uh, Ben Jacobs. They just had a past Olympian on their podcast actually this past week, and then FastX is more of like, you know, I would say it's more gambling related, more, it's a little bit looser, it's more it's a, my kind of solo show that I do outside of it, quick listen, uh, three times a week, just 20 minutes uh, each, and a, a lot of gambling picks on there. Yeah,
1: well. I've been following along uh, as you put this all together, of course, of course you started it with your good buddy Yo-Yo, and you've yep. evolved now to, like you said, a little solo, maybe half hour podcast with some of your thoughts, and it's, I, I can tell you kind of go along with your writing ability too, and you also uh, have a blog as part of that, don't you?
2: Yep, blogs, uh, you know, two blogs every single a week as long as uh, all, along with the three uh podcasts and basically what that is is you know i'm not sure where, whether fast tax is going to take off or not uh you know obviously it takes a lot of work in order to you know get to where it's self-sustaining or whatever mm-hmm. where it's gonna be my job but i just figured you know while it's going through covid and all this sort of stuff and it's kind of figuring out my next step in uh ter- terms of professionally i might as well put out this contact and almost it's basically a resume so if you like what i talk about on this show you know it's kind of more me Lessa uh, talk about uh, queen and things like that, and a little <laughs> bit more talk about maybe some things that are more relatable to the younger generation.
1: Well, I like it. I like listening to it. I think you're you're uh, off to some good stuff, you know, whether you have your Fat Stacks umbrella, but I, I don't mind uh, promoting it here on 3 Point Podcast, you know, to our listeners. So, how can they follow you again?
2: Uh, it just It's on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and SoundCloud. It's all just Fat Stacks sports, all one word. There you go. Alright.
3: guys have revealed your identities, right? Because for a while... We're trying to stay uh, under like under wraps, right?
2: Yeah, trying to stay under wraps, and then I kind of realized, you know, if this is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life as a job, I probably should build up my actual name uh, as well as, you know, the Fast X brand is too. <laughs> yeah, and so. it
1: was probably good to be anonymous in some of those early ones, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. So <laughs> we will just leave it at that. All right, well, let's get out of here. For Jared Fatale and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fatale. Thank you again for listening to and supporting our partners.
0: So long, everybody.